Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I sit down and discuss the Jesus Prayer, um, sort of where it's derived from in Scripture, uh, its importance over the centuries within the church, and how it has impacted our spiritual walk and spiritual life. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Um, Jacob at Monk Drums, that's what you hear in the background. If you want to hear, if you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community or read some of David's prayers, theruined.com is a place to go for that. Uh, drcrpod.com is a place to go for other podcast episodes or wherever you found uh, this particular episode. Um, and dreamwalkerway.com is the place to go to purchase David's book of haiku. Uh, it is called Desolate Beauty, the Book of Light and Shadow. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Social media and word of mouth really help us out. We appreciate you and let's get into it. to desert rain community radio. sorry about that <laughs> what are you laughing about you're clearing of your throat got a little congestion <laughs> david morrison <laughs> very congested uh yeah the late rains this year well, just the lawn how green it is i know october and green there's a palm right November. there <laughs> um how are you doing today pretty good pretty good cool uh, I don't know when this will be coming out. It'll be coming out probably sometime in November. But um, on Sunday, David Morrison's Sunday service. Um, it's like 10 we, of us. Yeah, it's still a service. Um, Our little circle. Sunday circle. Um, there, one of, I mean, many topics came up, but one of the ones that came up was the Jesus prayer. And... Um, it's a, it's a prayer that I feel very connected to today. Mm. I haven't always felt that way. And so uh, we thought we'd do a podcast about it. Yes, sir. Because that's what we do. Um, so could you st- maybe start off, kind of give the overview of the, the gospel reading and what is basically credited for the, the origin of the, the Jesus prayer? And we'll, we'll go from there. Well, Dorian, that's an excellent question. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, the Jesus prayer is generally uh, rendered from Greek, and it's uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. They added a sinner later, so there's different variations. Yeah, and I mean, even the one, the short version, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Yeah. Um, Anyways. So it's, yes, but it deri- it's derived from the first century from the community that put what we call Luke's gospel okay. together. Uh, and it's it's Jesus's parable of the, the tax collector and the Pharisee going to, to the temple to pray. The Pharisee, he looks right at the... <clears throat> Sorry, I'm congested. You're good, you're good. <clears throat> 
looks at the tax gatherer and he prays very loudly, you know, uh, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this guy <laughs> this, this and I'm fuck, not greedy and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a whoremonger and I'm, I don't come home smelling of vermouth and whores <laughs> and, uh, like and this I, guy right here. And I thank you that I give my income to the temple mm-hmm. uh, and I fast twice a week. I'm a good guy. And I thank you for that. I check all the boxes. Yeah. And then, so then the tax collector, Jesus describes him as not even lifting his eyes to heaven. He's hitting his chest in repentance. And he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so then Jesus asked, who do you think went home justified that day? So that's from Luke 18. So out of that comes the prayer in the monastic tradition in Egypt Uh uh, from the fourth century, fifth century. Uh, It's been, it's been found inscribed on cave walls there Mm. uh, as early as the, I think the fifth century. Wow. So, which is different variations, like I said, that come from Paul's letter to the Philippians, I think, and, Mm. and uh, Mary's prayer at the beginning of Luke. So it's, so they kind of jumbled different scriptures together and they strung probably for rhythm Mm. for a rhythmic prayer in Greek. Right. So, uh, which most people are, are familiar with, Kieri Elison. Mm-hmm. They've heard that before. So, so it's, yeah, so it's Lord Jesus, uh, Son of God, have mercy on me. And so, there we go. Yeah, there we go. And, um, you know, I, one of the things uh, you said on Sunday that really uh, stuck out to me was that, um, something, something to the effect of the this being the prayer of the monks. Yeah, and, and it's the ultimate prayer of the monk. Yeah, and do you think that just because it's linked with the the deserts of the of the time? Yeah, that and I mean, it's I gave a very fractional. Right. Of course. Of course. Because of there's course, yeah. yeah, particularly in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, there's an entire set of books that spans centuries mm. called the Philokalia. Okay. Which is just meditation on that prayer. Oh, wow. And different teachers throughout the centuries. And so, yeah, it's an amazing, intricate kind of meditation, collective meditation. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and it, and it does span. You could, you could argue that it's kind of the, the, the connecting prayer. A lot of, I mean, people would say the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father mm-hmm. would be. That and definitely, definitely that. Uh, but this one also is is a connecting prayer because because not only do the it's not just particularly particular to the Orthodox tradition, the Roman Catholic. If you go to Mass, mm-hmm. just like you said it, you'll you'll say it in in a Roman Catholic Mass. Lord have mercy, mm-hmm. Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Uh, the Anglicans have it in their Rosary. Um, and then the Protestants, and, and particularly Pentecostals and Evangelicals, that's the prayer. They call it the sinner's prayer. Okay. Lord Jesus, have mercy on my heart. You know, I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. Come into my life. That's a variation of the of the the what's called the Jesus prayer. Right. Which probably I don't know the 1100s that name came. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's so yeah. So it kind of connects all of Christian history in that sense. Well, it's I know, and I. My first introduction to it, um, and I'm going to mess it up. I think, are there archbishops in the Orthodox 
tradition? I believe so, yeah. So there's a book called Beginning to Pray. Um, and the last, I, I believe the gentleman's is Archbishop Bloom. Okay. But I might be wrong on the Archbishop thing. But um, this book, Beginning to Pray, um, it's a very short book. It's, you know, it's definitely not anything elaborate or, or um, what would be academic. Yeah. But it just... It, it was my first introduction to this idea of the Jesus prayer and um, the book basically it, it focuses on the Jesus prayer. And the main overarching thing is we're all just beginning to pray. Yeah. Even if you've been praying for, you know, I guess if you're an archbishop in the Orthodox faith, you've probably been praying for a while, you know, and, and he talked about his reminder of he, that prayer at that moment is him just beginning to pray. Yeah. And, um, and I, I really love the con that concept because for me, I, me and someone on Sunday kind of talked about it, but, oh, because I've been doing it this long, I should be this far advanced. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Kind of that Western yeah, school thing that. Yeah. thinking, you know what I mean? You go to first grade and then second grade and then trying to impose that on your, or maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe it's even, even less conscious than that, but just growing up in that kind of society, you then yeah. try to put that on, on a spiritual endeavor, uh, which is, I mean, it's not, it's not real, right? It's no, it's not. Um, so it was a good, it was a humbling reminder to me in that sense that, you know, we all, all of us are just beginning to pray and all we can really do is just, you know, pray in this moment. Yeah. Right? And, um, but for some reason I was kind of resistant to the actual prayer itself. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it was the length of it. Cause I, I would do, I guess I would, I would just kind of go back to that old, my old Catholic of Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. And I think yeah. I would add uh, when I first was doing God have mercy, maybe I would do it that God have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Um, cause I got to do my own thing. Right. <laughs> um, but now it's, it's actually the prayer I wake up to. Yeah. I'm, I'm a snooze button guy. So I'll hit the snooze a couple times. And from the time that my alarm wakes me up, I'll hit the snooze and I'll, I'll just start praying that. And I don't say it out loud. I just say it in my head, but, and I'll doze off, right. Saying it. Yeah. And I do that a couple rounds and it's, for me, it just, it, I don't know. It's it just, I feel very connected to it now. It's, it's yeah. a very interesting thing to watch over the last, I don't know, four or five years. Um, so anyways, with all that being said, I don't know sort of your personal connection to the prayer or when it maybe has been insightful for you at a, a certain season of your life. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with it just like the, the, our you know, the first time yeah. to mass I heard it right um I think it I think we dwell at different levels of this contemplative prayer and we pray it at different levels throughout our lives even in a day and so yeah so so I didn't become a, aware of the whole Orthodox monk tradition until maybe uh maybe 20 years ago right so uh so that you know, but in recent years, it that the Jesus prayer, Lord have mercy, B 
became a, a bridge for me and something I was struggling with mm-hmm. spiritually. And and if and it and words don't do it justice. So it sounds like a really petty, small struggle, but it was mm-hmm. very internal and very deep within me and emotionally painful. Mm-hmm. When I tell about it, it doesn't reflect how, the anguish I was in, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, but I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> but it was probably so when before, I was before you tell the story. Why you know, was it uh, conscious, or did it just kind of come to you to turn to the Jesus prayer for this specific? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it revealed itself, kind okay, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the process, it mm-hmm. revealed itself. Okay. Uh, to me again, revisited it, and it became. So, so the conflict that I had was I, I just could not, and again, this was not just a mental thing. It was an experiential thing. Mm-hmm. It was emotional as well. Uh, transitioning from this charismatic intercessory kind of prayer, which is where you, where you uh, pray a prayer of faith and you expect God to answer this specific prayer. And, uh, and so... Um, you know, and that you know, and so you expect miracles, you expect healing, and all that. Mm. Uh, to contemplative prayer, which is more passive, right. in the sense of you you accept, you give consent to the presence of God in this present moment, and and it's a much you know, it, it's it's a receptive stance, mm. and I couldn't not just mentally, but I couldn't emotionally transition without rejecting one or the other. How long, and, I, and I felt a tearing inside of me. Yeah, and how long did you? Um, I know we've we've touched on it before, but how long did you do the former type of prayer? Oh, for a year from probably the age of seventeen to thirty-eight. Yeah, something like that. Thirty-seven. Well, Twenty the reason, years. Yeah, the reason I bring that up is it was deep in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your prayer DNA. Yeah, we're talking hours a day mm-hmm. committed to that. Yeah, in in meetings and by myself. Mm-hmm. And so... And I think that's what... for Because you're right, that quick story is like, oh, that doesn't seem like that big a deal. Yeah, yeah. But when you've done one type of prayer for, what, over 20 years, right. for hours a day, and then you're shifting to this other type of prayer that's yeah. very, almost 180 degrees... On the surface, right? Yeah. Different. Yeah, that would. That's a huge. Um, yeah, it's a huge uh, bridge you got to build to yeah. to get across there. One was fire. One was water, and they seemed mm. opposed to one another. And and again, like I said, this was an internal. It was. It was. A, you know, it obviously represents so many other things, mm-hmm. and and an identity to the level of my own identity being torn. Okay. If you will. Yeah. So, so then, you know, I was, I was at the time when it, when I became, when I was able to even articulate it, mm-hmm. when I was even able to voice the struggle, um, I met with, uh, spiritual directors w- with it and I was in the, uh, uh, the living school, which oh, is yeah. the center for action and contemplation, uh, at the time. And, and I, and I was reading a book on centering prayer by Cynthia Borjo and, one of the one leaders, of the teachers, of the, yeah, yeah, the head faculty at the time, uh, and yeah, and she's an Anglican priest and mm. mystic, and uh, 
she's she straddles she straddles two worlds too. She's highly intellectual mm. and mystical, so it's those two. Yeah, two Se- worlds. seem to be opposites. And so one of the yes, yeah, so some of the reading material was one of her books on centering prayer, and she makes a very uh, brief statement saying, "If you think," she says something like, "If you think." the Jesus prayer that these monks are praying is the same as centering prayer. You're, you're highly mistaken. Mm. And I'll return to this later. And I don't think she did in the book. And <laughs> we'll, so we'll get to that at a later yeah, time. And five, she, I don't, five books I'm later. I'm sure she did nor I just didn't, couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, I was fortunate cause she was there. So I yeah. went up to her and asked her that question. And she very briefly and powerfully just said, yeah, uh, in centering prayer, you're basically, uh, praying out of emptiness and into emptiness. Mm-hmm. But with this Jesus prayer, you're breathing in fire and it explodes within you. And then you breathe out water, basically, or something like that. Right. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And I was just blown away by that. Uh, and I realized the Jesus prayer is the bridge between those two opposing mm-hmm. worldviews. And, uh, and so, yeah. So then around the same time, it was kind of strange. I was walking up the road, uh, and uh, towards towards the Steels house over here, and you know, and if those of you who don't know, they have uh, so we're in the desert, but they have a large number of pine trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this uh, the previous owner, I think his name was Peabody, and uh, <laughs> wait, is that his real name? And he called it Twin Pines Mall, and <laughs> and he was very sensitive and touchy about his pines. <laughs> he would shoot at you and you you killed a pine. Uh, so yeah, so he's planted all these pine trees here, pine assassin. <laughs> and so, and it was already the sun had already gone down. It was it was in the fall. I remember it was kind of cold. And through the trees, so I was on the road still, the the dirt road. I could see that the chapel that we're meeting in right here uh, was on fire. I saw flickering flames, like physically, and I yeah, smelled right. smoke. And so I freaked out, started running towards it, but you know, running through. Uh, running on top of pine needles and in the middle of a, a mini orchard, I had to look down. I had to take my eyes off the right. flame and look down to make sure I didn't fall and break my teeth kind of thing. And so I finally get to their driveway and there's nothing. Mm. It's not on fire at all. And and I don't know. I took that as, I don't see how that connects rationally, but it, that seemed to be the breakthrough for me. The, uh-huh. the Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. It's a breathing in of fire and then it it explodes within me. And then it breathes out uh, into water, into mm-hmm. receptiveness. So there's an action and reception uh, working together, an intake and an outtake. So that's kind of resolved it, phys- you know, emotionally and physically and mentally for me. And um, I guess just going back, like present day sort of idea, do you still feel... Like that breakthrough wasn't necessarily intellectual. It was also experiential. Right. It was, yeah. yeah. It was, it was painful. It was even physically painful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it got resolved. That tension got resolved, if you will. That was about five years ago. Yeah. So. And I, and I know you, I mean, obviously I know you enter into centering prayer. Um, I mean, I, I basically every day Yeah. do it at, at noontime. Um, do you still engage with the, uh, I don't, would you call it the evangelical type of prayer? I don't, I don't even know what you would refer to. Yeah. 
the other kind of prayer. Is that still part of your life or is it? Not in the sense of commanding uh, spirits of abortion to. <laughs> to be lifted. Yeah, to be lifted <laughs> off the city and that kind of stuff. Right. No, uh, not demanding from God that okay. my friend be healed. Uh-huh. Uh, but but definitely an inner fire. Uh-huh. And there's no difference between, in my opinion, the experiences is the same. Of uh, so I'll, you know this is very intimate, but uh, let's say I, we're doing center prayer, we're sitting quietly and still. There is I could feel an intake of breath coming in, and my tongue is moving very slightly, mm. speaking in tongues, or one of those prayers, and so uh, like the Jesus prayer, mm-hmm. and there's a sense of of fire, like a billows almost okay. inside of me, and so so yeah, so then I'll I'll add more of a, a rational, rationally I'll add more of the Quaker idea of holding someone in the light. Right. So I'll, I'll picture this person that's sick and I'll just simply hold them in that wordless mm-hmm. place while this fire is, is breathing into me and out kind right. of thing. That's the best I could describe it. Right. That, that's the, that's what it looks like now for me. Right, right, right. And that, you know, that, that's cause I think part of that, um, not necessarily healing, but uh, sort of having that bridge yeah. from your, you know, your past. I, I guess for me, every, every sort of thing I've learned throughout my spiritual past feeds what I do presently. Yeah. And so it evolves, right. And changes and, and sort of feeds yeah. on, you know, builds on, on itself. And so that's why I was interested in kind of what that looks like for you today, because it's, because it's one thing to abandon something, right? And usually right. when we abandon something, it's, oh, that's wrong or incorrect yeah, or yeah. something. And But when we can integrate it into the here and now, you know, we honor it for what it was at that time. And, and maybe some aspects of things are wrong and, and you right. know, some things are to be abandoned, right? Right. Um, but usually in the spiritual realm, it's just to be integrated into the present moment or yeah. the present day and what that, what that might look like. And become something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and also another thought in, in the Jewish tradition, and, and you can see it if you read those scriptures, uh, particularly Exodus and numbers, the Moses, the Moses mm-hmm. stories. Um, so, so in Judaism, there, there are no graven images. There's no, any image that you have of the divine is blasphemous and idolatrous. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the idea because the, the presence is, cannot be contained or photographed or imaged in any kind of way because once you do, it's not there anymore. It's, right. it's an idol. And so, so uh, there's this concept that the divine presence dwells in the divine name. Mm. And so in Christianity, they carried it over to... Uh, to Jesus is the divine name. Um, Jesus being every man's name. And, uh, you know, Jesus was like a name like, uh, well, like Jesus in Mexico. <laughs> of course, that's a little retroactive there. Uh, but, or, yeah, you know, Joshua was the name. Yeah. It's just, a, it's, it's John just a Smith in England, uh, Seamus in Ireland, Patty. A, a generic. Uh, Seamus, that was the name Seamus. I was trying to think of the other day. <laughs> Conan yeah. O'Brien. Anyways. Uh, so, yeah, so so it's the every man and every woman's name in that sense. And uh, 
and then Christ, the anointed ones, the mm. Messiah, Son of God. So, so in the same concept, when you pray the 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 Jesus prayer, you're you're entering into that reality that the divine presence is present in the name, in this divine name, and so that's where healing and these kind of strange things can happen, miracles and. You know, and that's Pentecostals are listening to know what I'm talking about. You know? Right. And so. So the fact that it's, I want to make sure I understood this correctly. So the fact that it's an everyday sort of name, a common name, if you will. Yeah. Is that the point was that the divine is part of the common. Yeah. Space. It's, it's, it's a celebration of what in theology they call the incarnation. Right. Okay. And so, and then, and then, you know, and it translates to you personally, to uh, what the Orthodox call theosis, which mm-hmm. or or divinization. These are words that you know they don't play too well in English, but it's <laughs> but it's this process of God, uh, God taking on the human form so that humans can take on the divine form, mm-hmm. and it's this process of the Spirit divinizing you. Uh, it's already been accomplished by the cross and resurrection. The process has already started this new creation, but it can be experienced in the now through uh, personal transformation. And that's what this, it's interaction with the divine presence, the divine name yeah, to be transformed into love, to be transformed into compassion and that kind of thing. Well, and it might've been the same book. So I, I did look up it. It is Archbishop Bloom. Okay. Um, and I might have been in that same book where they cover this, not in depth, but this idea of Christ being 100% human and 100% God. Yeah. Like it's both things at once. Right. And I know for me, that's always been like, a, not always, but that for a while, that was like a tough thing to sort of reconcile, you know, because it's yeah. not a logical thing, right? And it's also... It's no. purposely meant not to be logical, right? right? It's part exactly. of the, it's part of the mystery, like you're talking about, and the the incarnation. But um, just the just laying it out of like, yeah, it's both, and and that's what it is, and move along, yeah, <laughs> you know, and and so so like then going off of what you're saying right now, sort of built blowing not blowing it up, but uh zooming out i guess or looking at it from a a bigger so then that that allows for the the love the compassion the uh the service that comes from that the The um, sense of eternity mm -hmm. yeah yeah knowing i have my part to play today and that's temporary because what we're actually talking about is this infinite time frame of deep time who knows what you know it, it impossible for the human brain to understand yeah we can say, you know, we can say, oh, that was 4 billion years ago, but we don't know. We have no idea what that means, yeah. right? In the sense of time. Um, so getting back, I guess, getting back to the Jesus prayer. Um, for you to, I, I guess, sort of going back to this idea of the present, the here and now. When we, when, you know, when you, like on Sunday, when it was revisited and, and sort of um, spotlighted, I guess, or, uh, you know, just brought up, how, how do you feel connected to that, to that specific prayer today? 
Oh, still very much so. Uh, a lot of times it's circumstantially driven, mm. you know? So, so when the shit's hitting the fan, the only prayer you have yeah. is, oh, God, have mercy, right? <laughs> help me. Uh, help us. And so I'll take my anxieties about a situation. Let's say there's a conflict in relationships. Mm. It may not even be with me and someone else, but it might be with you know Your others. Friends. Yeah, and they're in conflict. Uh, and, you know, and I've seen too many times relationships just tear apart and everybody goes their own way and that's the end. Uh, and you know, it's, it's very sad. It's part of life, but it's also very tragic. And, and so, you know, I don't want to see that happen. And so, so rather than, uh, my normal response would be to emotionally and mentally, uh, obsess over it, Mm. be thinking about it constantly, that Mm. conflict, constantly thinking of it. If it's a conflict with me, then it's, it's, putting my arguments together. Right? I, can, I get there too. These imaginary conversations with people that never happen. <laughs> right. right? Uh, and so, so yeah, to, so what I'll, what I do now is, uh, and it kind of happens naturally now, I guess just through folding the envelope so much mm. that it's just, you know, it's wrinkled. It's and, part of, it's part of your yeah, life. Yeah. So I, I just uh, take that, that uh, mental and emotional anxiety and just turn it into that prayer. Have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, that kind of thing. Well, it's funny because I'm I'm in a very similar place with that this this prayer specifically too. You know, in, in early recovery, one of the prayers that they have people lean on is a serenity prayer. Yeah, you know, and so that was that used to be my sort of go to nervous energy prayer if you will you yeah. know if, I, if i'm like you're saying i'm i'm having a war with someone in my brain and, right. and thinking of my comebacks and and all that kind of stuff um and and it has since shifted probably over the last year or two to the to the jesus prayer mm. you know and, and um and not by any uh conscious not i was never like oh i'm gonna get rid of that prayer and i'm gonna use this prayer now yeah yeah you know it just it was just out of i don't even know yeah it just it reveals itself to you i i think even different like i said you pray it at different levels and Mm -hmm. i've experienced praying it with my body actually Mm -hmm. specifically with my uh left foot Mm. if that makes sense so i've been in in hospital beds in excruciating pain Mm -hmm. and and I'll and my foot, my left foot will begin to mm. to shake, and uh, in a rhythm like right. way. So my my body is praying that prayer, and I can feel. And then eventually, I, I this has happened. Unfortunately, it's happened several times. Right. Uh, not not in the hospital several times, but in deep pain, mm-hmm. physical pain, bedridden, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I can feel the the waves. Uh, so so the pain will start off as being almost amorphous. It's it's everywhere at once, and then it begins to become more concentrated as a result of that movement of oh, my okay. foot praying the prayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, and then they become just these waves, mm-hmm. and they begin to uh, compress and go out of my foot, and and then I can feel the pain is being managed. And that's I've experienced that quite a few times. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about your hospital stays, but even non-hospital stays, you know, just in your house, you've, yeah, had, you've yeah. had situations where... where, um, where my kidneys were failing or whatever, yeah. Yeah. 
um, or even I mean even not even to that extent, but when you would have the, uh, the like the you you would call them meltdowns i don't yeah know, yeah but, it was you know, kidney failure yeah and you'd be in bed a couple of days and yeah and, uh kidneys briefly going offline and then yeah. coming back on and the sort of the recuperation period of that yeah would would knock you down for a while and and that's interesting that you're you, you could then turn to that something as simple as tapping a foot yeah or movement yeah. in your body could how profound that can be yeah you know and, and i think or i don't think i know that many people right i think that's i think that's why yoga has become so yeah um what's it called popular is because we've lost not everyone um but a lot of denominations in the christian world have lost the physical part yeah of prayer why do you think that is i know that's not really on topic but have you have you spent much time wondering why yeah i think it's it's very western mm-hmm. uh i think it comes out of the uh particularly christianity's dismal history with sexuality mm. and the uh sort of the puritan roots of our country yeah yeah okay. so there's this yeah shame and fear of the human body, especially if it's naked, especially if it's a female body, you know, uh, this bizarre relationship with that, um, you know, not being, I guess, I guess the term they use now is to become sex positive. Mm. Um, so yeah. So I think it has to do with that. And, and I, yeah. And I think it's the, also the, uh, I use a philosophical term, but it, it would be, uh, what we call Platonism in mm. Western civilization. In other words, there's a separation between the physical and the spiritual. Okay. Uh, right. That's kind of ingrained in Western civilization. Uh, and so you have to kind of overcome those kinds of, those kinds of things. What in terms of your body. It's funny too, cause it it's, it's not, um, um, I'm going to probably butcher his name. So please correct me. Uh, J Philip Newell. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna, we're going to be doing a podcast on him here in the next uh, next couple. Well, it'll be released sometime in November. In fact, it might release before this episode. Anyways, mm-hmm. one of the things that him and Rob Bell were talking about in a podcast were how some of the they were talking they were talking specifically about Celtic Christianity and its importance yeah. in in and around nature right? Keeping nature's as the sacred, right? Right. And what a profound thing it was then. And then fast forward to, I don't even know when the interview was, but it was within probably the last five to 10 years and how apropos that idea is, right? Like needing yeah, to take care yeah. to, to uh, steward nature in a more, you know, in a, in a yeah. sustainable way. Right. And um, it's just funny how some of these, they were talking about how ancient ideas inevitably come and resurface and oh and yeah they they seem as though they're new and profound ideas you know sort of this idea of of using your body to pray right right but actually you know in the ancient world this was just part of similar to fasting right like yeah you know oh intermittent fasting and fasting for religious purposes and fasting right. for this and that is is gaining popularity in the last three or four years but in the ancient world that was just part of that was yeah. part of life um, and speaking yeah. of that, yeah, I don't know. He mentioned Augustine. 
that's a large part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So it's even long before the puritanical view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, uh, right, long right. before that, we had Augustine of of Hippo in Alexandria, who just you know the, when he talked about his his sexual sin of the past, he acted like he you know murdered all the Jedi children. <laughs> kind of thing and like you know just to explore sexually was just this horrific Um, evil evil thing it's the highest evil that could ever happen i did it and and really no you're just a proud asshole is what you are right your sin has to be bigger than everyone else's (laughs) no your sin is just as boring as the rest of us right uh so yeah anyway sorry yeah well i mean (laughs) not a fan of augustine (laughs) well this whole tangent's kind of (laughs) off topic but it is it is uh I'm Team Pelagius. That's another (laughs) uh, place moving the physical body within our our labyrinth. Right, right. And that's another place where I've I've definitely explored this prayer. Um, And I think I've actually, I know I've shared this before, but I'll try to pray coming in, like whether it's the um, Hail Mary or the Jesus prayer or the Our Father, sometimes I'll, you know, mix them up as I'm walking in. And then once I get to the set, the middle, spend some time there. And then when I walk out, purposely not reciting prayers yeah. um, and just, and just trying to be almost like what you were saying about running through the, the pine trees, right. Kind of looking down at my feet and just being very aware yeah. of my walk out yeah. in, in a silent sort of way. Um, and it, yeah, and it's connected to justice too, you know. Uh, it reminds me of Abraham uh, Joshua Heschel, the rabbi who marched with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And he told his daughter, I marched, I prayed, uh, I marched with my prayers because my feet were praying. So he hit the streets, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've experienced that as a, on demonstrations I've gone to for right. uh, immigration gun control, those kinds of things. And I go as a witness, a witnessing presence there. And, and, and it's a prayer with my feet yeah. kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so there's not a whole lot of screaming on my part. Going on. I'm more of yeah. A, you're not, you're not the, you're not the guy with the sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not carrying around the witty sign. You're just, no, no. you're there to be part of the, uh, well, I think it goes back to what you said a few minutes ago about holding stuff in the light, right? Yeah, exactly. And so being able to go, because I, I think that is a very profound thing um, for me is is it when I try to be a witness or be present, but for me and in, in, when I can be present in an intentional way, I try to bring this idea of, of whether it's the light or God's presence. You know, we, yeah. you put all sorts of names on it, but just trying to bring that to any situation. Um, yeah. And not that I'm good at it in the sense of, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not doing that on every interaction that I have. Right. Um, and so one of the things that came up as I was doing some reading on the, on the Jesus prayer um, and listening to some things about it, but this uh, idea of praying, uh, what is it? Praying without ceasing oh, yeah. sort of thing. And I, I think that kind of, connects with what you're talking about right praying with your feet and, and stuff yeah, like that yeah. your breathing becomes your constant yeah. prayer and and so uh how do you understand that today because you know you're praying all the time right and and so this idea of praying without ceasing how do you 
for the, you know, the average person listening it to it, the average Jesus yeah, <laughs> listening. Yeah. Um, what, what is your understanding of that today for you personally? Yeah, I, I mean, it reminds me of the Russian book from the 19th century, The Pilgrim's Way. He talks about that whole process of praying the Jesus prayer and then ultimately becoming it mm. and it prays you. And so, uh, and I've probably mentioned this before, we were at a conference with Richard Rohr. Uh, is that okay to repeat yeah, Of course, that? dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking the other day right. on Sunday, and then you turned around and said, well, are you being serious? <laughs> or wait, no, you said, do I really do that? And yeah. Like, well, I got to be honest now. So here I am repeating the story again, but it was a huge I impact made, on all I of us. I made David self-conscious about telling stories, which was not my intention. So now I've heard about it. Because I repeat them all the time. Um, but yeah, we, we went to a, a conference with him uh, and uh, Phyllis Tickle, Brian McLaren was there. Uh, the guy from Philadelphia was there. Um, oh, the actor. No, Tom, no. Tom Hanks, your no, favorite not actor. That, not that actor. <laughs> the AIDS patient. Uh, the Simple Way community oh, guy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shane Claiborne. Shane Claiborne was there. A lot of different, it was a big conference. Mm -hmm. uh, was it during the action and contemplation the school or was it before it was a conference that they put on yeah that they, but i mean it was for the school no. when you were in school with it no it was years and years before that oh, okay, okay this okay. would have been like maybe 2009 i see okay maybe yeah. 2008 uh and so richard Rohr, yeah he said something that just blew us away and stayed with us and uh which which addresses prayer without ceasing mm -hmm. really so he he told the story that he went to a Somebody paid his way to this expensive conference because uh, he was a poor Franciscan. Um, and it was on something like the intersection of spirituality, religion, and and science, something like that, you know? Mm -hmm, right. So that he said the speakers were people like, it would be a rabbi and a cosmologist, uh, okay. a Quaker and a physicist, you know, right, right, kinds right, of speakers. Right. Heavy-duty, degreed people. <laughs> Probably there had to big, have been a Jesuit. Big brain, big brain fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> had to have been a Jesuit not, in there somewhere. Not not anything David and I are producing. <laughs> yeah. So he, he said the there was a he didn't know the name, but there was a rabbi who was also a I think a physicist. Uh and he's and he basically said, you know, you uh you know, you Christians think not the commandment, the Jewish commandment not to take the Lord. Uh, the Lord's name in vain means don't say God damn it. Right, right. And he said right, that right. does that's not what it means. Uh, and he and he said uh, what it means is uh, don't think you can approach the divine mm -hmm. thinking that you know anything. And and so approach it that way. That's that's what that command means. Mm -hmm. um, but then he but then he went on to say the the sacred name of Yahweh. We 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 spell it Yahweh in English. Um, uh, y a h w e uh, w. <laughs> I don't know. I think. Uh, but but the original was was meant to uh, uh, to be your very breath. Right. So it's so it's the intake and the outtake of your breath, and you've been saying the divine name your entire life at a cellular level. What and what? There's so a that book. was a profound. Is it the one? 
Who's the author that wrote um, How the Irish Saved Civilization? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cahill. And he has another book that addresses that, right? What, what was the book you re- recommended to me? He wrote he wrote one on on uh, Judaism. Yeah, I think the gift gifts of the Jews. I think. Yeah, and I think and that the, was the I Jewish think, influence on Western civilization. He talks about that. Oh, okay. Well, he talks about it in the sense that it's pronounced like a breath. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. that you've been doing it your whole. Not. I see. I see. It, this this sounds like this guy extrapolated, but yeah, it's right. it's Y A H. Y A H W E H. So that's yeah, and you know, because there are no uh, vowels in Hebrew, and so it is—it's the sound of your breath, and so you've been speaking the divine name, therefore the divine presence your entire, your entire life, and that connects to the Genesis story of right. the Creator breathes into the mud to create a human, and so that's yeah, that's profound stuff as you're lying waiting to fall asleep and you just simply become aware of your own breathing mm-hmm. and you begin to increase that awareness. Uh, you're praying without ceasing at that point. So. Well, and I, th- I think that was one of the profound things um, on the silent meditation retreats. Um, they, I mean, it's obviously silent, silent, but even silent from mantras or any like they discourage from that stuff. Mm. They, they actually talk about it, taking away what, what the purpose is. And, and the whole purpose is from their perspective is this idea of breath right. and just being present with your breath. Yeah. You know, for however many hours you're meditating that day, you know? And, and so you're just, so it's, it's interesting as we're having this conversation of just all you're doing then if you connect these two, right. You're just being present with God. Right, yeah. as you as you pay attention to your breath and and connect with your breath and and in that I was about to say meaningful way but it's not even meaningful way cuz you breathe whether you want to or not. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's I think it's the only body system that's both voluntary and involuntary. I probably had some involuntary ones but <laughs> <laughs> After oh, Taco shoot. Bell, it definitely didn't feel voluntary. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> I'll be here all week. Oh, um, so we still got some time, but I, I, I kind of, I guess, I wanted to open up to you, um, specifically around the, the Jesus prayer. If there's anything else that like you feel called to to share today, or, or is sort of, um, yeah, just sort of percolating in in you. That's not Taco Bell induced, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I guess from Sunday's discussion and meditation that we had, I guess what's been kind of revived is uh, this idea that that the divine presence dwells in the divine name, and and it, and there's a profound scripture in uh, Jesus's last discourse in the Gospel of John. Uh, at the uh, you know at the last supper mm-hmm. the first supper if you will uh and he and he says I'm, i go to prepare a place for you uh that where i am you may also be and then he and he says basically that my father and i will dwell within you mm-hmm. so there's this idea this of theosis of divinization uh that the trinity the relationship of god uh, the community of God would dwell within you mm. and dwell within us collectively. 
And uh, that that's a powerful, powerful thing. I mean, when, when you experience it, I guess you're just swept up in a dancing circle, the perichoresis. Right. And, uh, you know, and begin to see that as the hope for our cosmos, you know. And so, and, and you see it when you think of the cosmos, you think of these swirling sombrero galaxies right. that are that are a dancing circle kind of thing. And so, and they just keep getting greater and greater, bigger, expansive outward. And so I, I think of the indwelling trinity is a powerful concept. Well, and, and one of the, I don't remember exactly, <clears throat> it was also on Sunday, but talking about the difference between the, the tax collector and the uh, Pharisee. Oh yeah. Right. And, and um, you'd pointed out about it, you know, it's open-ended in the sense like, Oh yeah. You, you know, you don't really know, but um, cause as an observer, you can look critically at any of those, right. Oh, that guy was a tax collector, you know, or yeah, that, oh, yeah. that guy was a, a righteous Pharisee, like look, kind of look down your nose at them. Um, and, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but but basically the Jesus prayer, kind of using that analogy of of you didn't you didn't um, necessarily say building a bridge of it, but sort of instead of making it black and white, right? Sort of the gray area. How do you reconcile those different characters in the in the paradox or the parable, right? Right. And sort of using the Jesus prayer to sort of gray gray those areas right yeah. so it's not it's not just right and wrong right but to bring it into to like you know that just that's part of how life works yeah, right? yeah. and um you know I, I i brought up the the idea of using using any parable as a mirror right sometimes sometimes i'm the the righteous pharisee looking looking down and like well at least i'm not this guy over yeah. this fucking guy over here look at him at least I'm not um, a Democrat. At least I'm not a Republican. You know, one of those. Yeah. And then, but also being the, you know, where I've I've harmed people and wronged people, and, and yeah. have played that tax uh, collector role, and um, tried to take advantage of situations. You know what I mean? And so, um, and on a good day, I can say, you know, Lord have mercy on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and so, using that prayer, uh, that that. You know, I I called you on Sunday because I wanted to do this topic. Oh, or, yeah, you know, yeah. and and part of the enthusiasm was just you know driving the the drive I made into uh, Crucis that day, just thinking about some of these ideas, right? And and for me, you know, like I said, I was kind of resistant to this idea of the Jesus prayer, but as I've gotten older, seeing it, seeing it for the profound tool that it is for me today. Right. And that might, that might change tomorrow. Right. I, we might not be part of the the repertoire tomorrow and, and it might be part of the repertoire for the next, you know, 10 years or however, you know, however right. long it's, it's part of it. But that, uh, um, just wanted to thank you for bringing up some of those points and, and sort of being, being a reminder for me of, of, uh, how profound this, this prayer is. Um, did you have something you wanted to oh well yeah it's just so I, I usually just go into uh, just you know I, I don't even I, I don't even have the wisdom to know what's dark in me mm. and what's good or evil in me I just know it's there and, right. and so the uh, Psalm 19 is a good 
good one. And, and as translated by Stephen Mitchell, now, I may have read this before, <laughs> uh, but but he translated translates the end of it as is uh, you know it says who could be aware of themselves? Who can even be aware? How can I even know my hidden faults? Kind of thing. That's Psalm nineteen. It says, "Help me be aware of selfishness, but without undue shame or self judgment." So a lot of people think that's that's a, a a helpful and healthy and righteous stance is to. I'll just hate on myself. Mm. I'll just heap condemnation on myself. Yeah. And people think, oh, that's such humility. No, it's not really. I've, I've uh, actually heard that called reverse humility. Yeah, exactly. Because you're still just thinking about yourself. Yeah, Even exactly. though you're shitting on yourself. <laughs> so that's why he, this translation is so good. Help me be aware of selfishness, but without undue shame or self-judgment. Let me know that you are always present in every atom of my life. There's that cellular level again right. for your breathing. Let me keep surrendering myself until I am utterly transparent. That's a great one. Let me keep surrendering myself until I am utterly transparent. Let my words be rooted in honesty. My thoughts be lost in your light. Unnameable God, my essence, my origin, my lifeblood, my home. And so that, yeah, and so that's kind of a variation for me of the That's Jesus beautiful. prayer. It's an extension of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I'll, I'll, I stole it from the Buddhists. Uh, the Buddhists will have a prayer of, you know, I take refuge in the mind of Buddha. I take refuge in the teaching of Buddha and I take refuge in the community. So I just, I do it for my own Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, I take refuge in the sacred burning heart of Jesus. I take refuge in the community, the mystical body of Christ. And I take refuge in the teaching and ministry the healing ministry of Jesus, yeah. and I and I take refuge there uh, from my ang- from my anxiety, from my un- inability to know whether I'm right, whether I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. If I even if I am right and I know I'm right, what does that mean? Yes. Yeah, how do gonna, I respond? Get me I don't anyways. know what to do. <laughs> I don't know how to respond. So I wait here in this place. I take refuge here, and so that's that's kind of the Jesus prayer. In that sense. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's where we land the plane. All right then. <laughs> Laters. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, David Morrison. Thank you, sir. For sharing your <laughs> your knowledge and your wisdom and your insights. Um, thank you to Jacob Nedia. That's what you hear in the background with Monk Drums. Uh, thank you to uh, Danny West. for He does all the editing and sound engineering um, for this podcast. And uh, I'll probably mention it in the intro, but I will add it here too. Dreamwalkaway.com. Dreamwalkaway. It's right up the street from us. That's right. But the website is on the internet. Oh, yeah, that too. Go buy your book there. It's got a virtual address. Dot com. Um, (laughs) That's it. I think. Yeah, thank you. Until we talk next week. Yes, sir. Thanks, sir.